Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature Shuli Sade. Her cross-disciplinary artwork blends theory and practice with a focus on memory, space, and urbanism. Her work creates maps of urban memory, reflecting the DNA of a city. She mixes mediums including photography, videography, augmented reality, site-specific installations, sculpture, and drawing. Shuli received the Pollock Krasner Foundation Grant and the National Endowment for the Arts Fellowship, among others. She has collaborated with neuroscientists at the Neurobiology of Cognition Laboratory at NYU and with architects and designers across the United States. She recently won a competition to create a mural for City Hall in Huntsville, Alabama. Her recent exhibitions include Bird's Eye View, an AR public art installation sponsored by Battery Park City in New York City in 2022. Her recent site-specific murals artworks are permanently installed in several locations in Manhattan, Philadelphia, Boston, North Carolina, New Jersey, and others. She has taught and lectured at the University of Pennsylvania School of Architecture, Parsons School of Design, Columbia University, Barnard College, and others. Shuley lives in New York City and works at her studio at Mana Contemporary in New Jersey. Enjoy this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast featuring Shuley Sade. Welcome, Shuley, to my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I appreciate you joining me. I am so honored to be uh, invited. Thank you so much for including me in this uh, Cerebral Women podcast. When did you discover your artistic passion? Well, at age eight, coincidentally, I discovered charcoal drawings and I fell in love with drawings and paintings. My parents got me an encyclopedia of the master's paintings, which I copied passionately until age 11. And when I was accepted to uh, an afternoon art school, I spent hours painting and drawing. It was some of the happiest moments of my childhood to discover that I want to become an artist. Do you recall if there was a certain painting or a specific artist that really influenced you early on? Yes, it's uh, funny. I heard other people answering the same. Van Gogh was very, I guess, uh, influential on uh, a child's mind because uh, I admired his work. And actually, I drew all some of his work. I mean, I copied his work and uh, my parents hung some of my work on the walls in the, in the living room. So that was really very influential at that age. So let's dive into your practice. Share with us basically what you do. What, what do you create? 
So maybe uh, just to um, explain a little bit, I'm a multidisciplinary artist. Um, I mix mediums, uh, including photography, videography, site-specific installations, public art, sculpture, drawing, and augmented reality. What I do is I really blend theory and practice with a focus on memory, space, and urbanism. And my work often creates maps of urban memory, reflecting a like the DNA of a city. And what does that mean? How do you do that? Right. So I'm really interested in how our brain uh, perceives space and how we learn how to recognize streets in the city, for example. So that is a part of what I'm interested in, which is translating or transforming our memories and in this case, urban memories. So it's really related to architecture or streets or uh, cityscapes. How it's translated to, to memories that are just marks like palimpsests or logograms that in the marks themselves, you have information. It's really data-based. And then what you read is a, an abstract understanding of a landscape. And what materials do you use? Well, then a material is really uh, divided to two parts. One side of my practices is the physical practice and the other is the di digital practice. In the physical practice, I actually work with my hands and right now work a lot with wood. I cut the wood, I paint the wood and I create cubes, which are kind of symbols to pixels because I'm so interested in the close-up and removing far from the artwork that pixels are signals for me for what is the data that they are actually bringing to the picture. So as for the physical artwork, I still can go on and tell you about my photography practice and the printing process that I uh, do with different material I print on metal and on canvas and on uh, real paper and other material. I also work a lot with glass for my mural work, which is usually very large-scale projects. And I work with fabricators who help out with firing the glass and all of that. Now, the other part is my digital practice. In that, I work with different platforms um, that I either self-learn or other ways. And, uh, and then comes the augmented reality, which is another layer of, um, of material, non-material that I work with. So how do you keep learning? It's a, it's a great question. <laughs> uh, I really love self I mean, self-learning. Self-learning is for me uh, really the best way that I can take new material. And um, I just do a lot of online learning or I love researching new new methods or new understandings of technologies that can then later on be used for a, the creation of artwork. So that is one thing. And then also Zoom, um, all these wonderful Zoom talks that uh, we got so used to during COVID and ever since, which were I was very lucky to just join any talk that I was interested in. And that was uh, brilliant for that time and still ongoing. And what would you say are the most challenging aspects of your practice? 
Truly, uh, when it comes to public art or large-scale projects, uh, I collaborate with a whole different like group of pe- groups of people, like teams. Uh, it could be architects and designers, uh, curators, uh, and then for sure, fabricators, uh, installers. Depending on the situation of the building, if it's a new building, there is the uh, general contractor comes in. So I work with a lot of people, and uh, the challenges are. For example, in in uh, glass work, the the weight, the scale, the lighting, the what kind of light source do I have? Do I need to hire a light designer because work with glass involves uh, light, e- either natural light or artificial light, and it's it's basically all these um, components to my artwork when it comes to a public uh, piece that are challenging, but uh, always resolved by the time the work is installed. How has your practice changed over the years? Well, it really did change with, uh, if I look back, all the way back at the early phase of my work, I was doing uh, different work, but I, I find that there is a link between all the work that I do. Maybe I'm the only one who can see that, but there is a link, you know. So when I was very, very young, uh, in my early 20s, I I did uh, work which was titled then Body Work, which was Sculpture with Your Own Body, because it was like a minimalist understanding of not using material. And look how it came back to using augmented reality with, without using material. Then I was a painter for many years and a sculptor in real, real world. Then, uh, of course, a photographer. And then my work uh, was more about documentation of industrial architecture all around the world. And I developed a special technique with uh, fiber gelatin silver print uh, prints that I printed myself with a um, mix or layered of asphaltum and tar, which I did for about maybe 15 years. And then uh, digital age came in and I left the the analog completely behind and I turned to be a total digital person. So my work was influenced by that. It was with the digital, it was less of hands-on, more of digital work and then just fabricating. And now I I think I'm kind of full circle because I need the balance between the digital and the hands-on. So I, you know, my practice is both and I choose which day to devote to which kind of technique, luckily. So at any point when you are actually in your studio, do you listen to music while you're working? That's a great question. Um, I used to be totally like a music freak and listen to all the music I can when I did uh, physical work. But I find that with uh, working with uh, digital work, it's a little bit hard because I need to focus like my full attention to it's almost like uh, math and like doing mathematical work when I work on digital um, pieces. So uh, I find that I need silence. But then when I go back to cutting wood, I'm full blast music. So some days you work with your hands, some days it's digital. I mean, when you wake up in the morning, do you have a feel or a sense of what direction you're going to go in? Well, it's also about a timeline because um, I- 
as my work is divided to digital and physical, it's also divided between commission-based work and my own work, my ongoing work. So, and there comes like, you know, deadlines, for example. So I'm working on a few projects. So I, I need to focus on the deadlines. And uh, then when I find time after the deadlines achieved, then I uh, go back to my own space. And then I have more time to do my own work, which which is just for myself. And then it can go out after it's done. Have you ever thought about if you weren't a visual artist, what career path you would have chosen? It wouldn't make sense that I would become an architect or a, a scientist because I really admire the work of scientists. And I worked with scientists before, mainly neural biologists at NYU. But honestly, when I was a child, if, if it was not the art, I would become a veterinarian because I love animals so much. So, yeah. So tell us, um, what are you excited about right now? Oh, well, it's a lot of projects that are happening right now. I'm working on two public arts pieces, one in New York and one in Boston. And uh, they are just about uh, to start fabrication. So the installation is almost in parallel times. And that is very exciting because it's it's actually it's the work of almost a year on both projects. And then I have another very exciting project, which... Uh, by grace, I uh, won a competition to create um, a uh, large mural for the new city hall in Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, this is almost like, I mean, in full gears, almost full gears. The installation will happen in a year and a half from now. But I mean, the excitement about this project is is unbelievable because it's just another opportunity for me to discover new place, new people, almost new language with the accent of a uh, Southern accent. And, uh, you know, it's every project brings me to a full discovery and learning and, and meeting people. Um, and that's really the privilege of the um, being an artist, I, I think, is just that it takes us places. I mean, it really takes me places. So how do titles, do you decide on titles for the work? Yeah, I do. I do. Most of my work is titled, not untitled. I'm not so much favoring untitled just because I think a title does help the audience to just gravitate towards an understanding as for titles, I sometimes um, they come early on, other times when the art is in progress and sometimes reveals and leads to a title. I also use uh, dictionaries and synonyms to search for a word that perhaps would have been easier to find should uh, the English language had been my mother tongue. But uh, yet with uh, every search, I come across other words which could be a potentially good fit for my work. So uh, I keep these words uh, ready for when the artwork uh, will surface. So I have lists of, lists of titles that I think, oh my God, that word could be really a match to some work that I've never yet done. So it's, it's, it's a wonderful uh, play with words, uh, I have to say. Also, the way I read, I read like, a, I mean, I, I, it's very funny, but I scan pages. So I read like, I, I scan the pages. And then when I find a sentence, um, there's a 
re real relationship with the word, I have to say. Um, it's like then the words that are meaningful to me, of course, uh, are, are the ones that I'm focused on, but a way to look at words. Do you think your audience understands your work? Well, um, I think it's very helpful to have an artist talk with the audience. That's definitely an eye-opener, and I feel that strongly, whether it's at my studio visits or when I um, I used to teach classes, or I, I think it's really important to have the word comes from the person who created the work. Needless to say, people will take uh, the understanding of the artwork to the places they want to, and that's wonderful. That's the, the freedom of the viewer. But it always helps when when it comes across with uh, a little chat with, with me, especially, for example, in augmented reality projects, I'm always available. I go out to all the projects uh, and do public tours. And it's it's always helpful to explain how the process, how the technology works, etc. Um, what does your workspace look and feel like? Oh, it's a wonderful space, really wonderful. Uh, I recently moved to a better, larger space, a very spacious and uh, natural light. Um, and it is in a in a great complex of uh, other artists. It's called Mana Contemporary, and it's in Jersey City, which means I have to commute the opposite way from Manhattan to Jersey every day. The space itself is really beautiful. It's a square space, and and since uh, spaces are so very very important to my work, it's really a joy to come in every morning. Um, it's also set like an installation, like a permanent installation. Like there are a lot of cubes and wood on the on the table in the center of the room. And I can either move some of it or just live with it. And it's like an installation. I'm looking at it as we speak. So, um, yeah, I really am very happy to be here now. And what do you enjoy most about being a visual artist? Oh wow, that's a difficult question because it's really, it's it's my entire life is that. So it's uh, almost hard to uh, even answer. But but of course, the freedom to create and the freedom to be able to support my my creation with the creation is is uh, wonderful, and the freedom to change uh, my mind and, and go into different mediums and uh, nothing is locked in, not even the nine to five, because for me, it's almost 24 constant work. Um, but it is freedom, really. It is, it is the joy of uh, sharing it with people uh, after the whole uh, incubation of the artwork goes through successful results. Um, sharing is wonderful. And serving, in a sense, you know, that a lot of my work goes to hospitals or corporations or public parks. Uh, and it's really bringing the work further out, not just to the gallery or the museum, but mainly to, to the public. It's a real direct giving, I feel. I mean, I hope, you know, that it's like just to inspire, to make somebody think about why I did it or why did I choose this color is already a reward for me. Shirley, do me a favor. Uh, share with us how you incorporate AR into your work. Right. So um, I started working with AR about eight years ago. So I was really like at the very, very early phase 
of augmented reality, which uh, luckily developed uh, and changed within the last eight years to become better and better. What I was looking for by working with AR was really the combination of dimensions. So, for example, if I work with a two-dimensional artwork and then I add three-dimensional artwork, the augmented reality brings to, to the two more dimensions, which is the third dimension and the fourth dimension, which is movement in time. So by activating an augmented reality, you have four dimensions instead of just one or two. It's uh, augmented reality is a merger of art and technology. It gives uh, rise to digital spaces. Um, mixed media environments suggest an illusion of real life. And uh, recently I um, uh, and it's still on view, I opened an augmented reality public art installation along Battery Park City titled Bird's Eye View, and it's still visible until April. I've really enjoyed our interview. And my last question is, what do you feel is the purpose of art? And as an artist, what is your role? Uh, well, um, it's again, the first thing, is really purposeless, which is I need to create. So there is no purpose in that. I, I have to create. This is this is who I am and I need to create. So there is no purpose in that except for maybe serving my own soul. Uh, but the other purpose is again educational or uh, giving back to to society and to uh, really, in a sense, to serve, to inspire, to uh, maybe create a new generation of people who are curious to go the journey that I took from age eight when when I didn't know much about art, but just like followed my heart. And uh, I think art is really where the space come in comes into our lives um it's not it's not all the mundane things that we really have to do which we all have to do but it's another level of joy and and of love and of creation thank you so much julia i appreciate our talk thank you so much uh, phyllis and good luck with all the other interviews Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.